All right, well, good morning. Oh, man. Good morning. All right. Well, that's a little bit better. But we'll, we'll just stop there while we're somewhat ahead. Uh, so this morning we are in Matthew chapter 25, verses 31 through 46. Uh, last week I misspoke a little bit. I said we we're done with this section of uh, the parables of Jesus talking about the coming of the end and all of that. And, and I, I should have read a little bit ahead. Verse 31 uh, through the end of the chapter kind of finishes us out. There is one more parable that is tucked in there um, as we consider the final judgment of Christ when he returns. And so that's where we're at this morning. So Matthew chapter 25 verses 31 through 46 is where we're at. I'm not going to read that. It's a pretty lengthy bit of passage, but we will read that as we walk through the text this morning. And so uh, hopefully you found your, your place there. And then uh, before we pray, let me just say uh, again, I, I am thankful for um, our musicians as well as for Patty in the office. Um, Patty certainly, as Ryan mentioned, keeps us straight and she's a huge help. And we're very thankful for our musicians as well who are here every single week for Terry and Kevin who are uh, play for us. And so we're very thankful for them and being able to, to worship uh, in the way that we are because of, of what they do. Um, and so thank you guys for that. So let's go to the Lord uh, in prayer, and then we will, we will dive into our scripture here this morning. God, we thank you for this day and for this opportunity to gather together as your church, Lord, recognizing that, that it is because of you that we are able to gather. And as we uh, focus on uh, the coming of Jesus during this Christmas season, we are, we are thankful. But, but as we see here in today's text, we are looking at the end. We know that there is the coming of Christ, and we know that there is a second coming of Christ. And because of our hope in Jesus, we are thankful and we are able to gather together today to proclaim that hope, uh, to reflect on your coming again, Lord. God, as we walk through this text, we ask that you would help us, that you would help us to understand what, what this parable is saying, as well as how this might apply to our life. And this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, 2021 is almost over, and really, I mean, it is it's super hard for me to believe that it is actually December. I mean, this year has just absolutely flown by, and with the passing of 2021, we're almost two years into this global pandemic, and to be sure, many things have changed since, you know, like February, March of, of 2020. We've been able to start gathering together once again as a church and heard and, and hold church services in person. Now, we've had the opportunity to fellowship with one another. And we have many more kind of fellowship opportunities that are planned for 2022 for us as well. And while we've been able to gather together as a church pretty much over this entire last year, there, there are still others who are not able to gather together. Many companies have still not gone back into the office. Many of their workers are at home and they're working from home and it is really uncertain when they're going to go back. I was reading an article just this last week and they were talking about how the goalposts as far as companies returning back to work has just continually pushed from the summer to the early fall to late fall and now all the way into 2022 they have pushed these goalposts and thinking that maybe they're going to be able to come back then and then when they come back it's really kind of up in the air as to what is it actually going to look like to work at a company in person not just virtually but in person 
in 2022. Many companies are predicting it's not going to be business as usual. There are going to be all kinds of changes to the schedule and, and to the environment. And in some instances, there will be changes to both schedule and environment. It's hard to predict what the future is going to look like for many companies. And while the future of work is, is really hard to predict, what, what is not hard to predict is what Jesus' second coming will look like. The events surrounding that second coming are not a mystery to us. As we've been walking through this kind of section here at the end or, or near the end of the book of Matthew, Matthew 24 and Matthew 25, we've, we've learned kind of what that is going to look like, what the kingdom of heaven is going to look like. And today we see what the final judgment is going to be like. And it's important that we understand what's going to happen and, and so that we can prepare beforehand so that we are not caught off guard, that we, are, that we find ourselves on the right side of redemptive history. Because as we're going to see, a lot of people are going to be caught off guard when Jesus returns. They thought that it was going to be one way and that they were going to be in the kingdom, but it's really going to be another way and they're going to find themselves outside of the kingdom. And so our question today is, what is going to happen when Jesus returns? Well, let's look at what Jesus says here in this last section in, in Matthew 25. And as we see, we see Jesus, He's painting several pictures for us. And, and really the first picture that Jesus is going to be painting for us is that Jesus will return as a King in glory. So look at verse 31. When the Son of Man comes in His glory and all the angels with Him, then He will sit on His glorious throne. And so we learn that, that Jesus is going to return one day. All of what he has been picturing in the parables leading up to this point is going to happen. And Jesus is going to, to paint for us what that return is going to look like. And, and as he does, he says that he is going to return one day as a king in glory. And knowing that Jesus is going to return is, is extremely important. It was extremely important for Jesus's disciples to know that. I mean, imagine... You're, you're a person who you are following. You, you think that he is actually the Messiah, that, that he is the king of the universe. He's been teaching you all of these different things through, through all of this different time. You've been following him all around the area of Jerusalem and surrounding that. And then he is taken. And he is put on trial, this fake mock trial, if you will. Total injustice. He's, he's beaten. He's nailed to a cross. He dies. And then he's put in a grave. I mean, imagine being one of Jesus' disciples. You're following him everywhere for years and, and you see this happen to him. They need to know that, that Jesus is going to return one day and Jesus is going to return in glory. And that's really no different for us, right? For, for the disciples today. We need to know that Jesus is going to return. We need, the, we need assurance of that return for the same reason, so that we will continue to press on, so that we will continue to believe in Jesus. I mean, think about people around the world today. There, there are many people around the world today who are being persecuted. There are many people who are having to, to hide, who are being run out of their homes, out of their villages, out of the city, because there are people who are, who are coming for them. There are many places where you cannot openly be a Christian today in this world. And they need to know that Jesus is going to return. And we need to know that Jesus is going to return here. 
as the world grows more hostile towards Christianity, even here in the United States, even here in the Bible Belt. We need to know that Jesus is going to return. We need that assurance as well so that we will continue to follow Jesus as we face these things. And so today, today be encouraged. Be encouraged knowing that that Christ is going to return. Continue to press on. Continue to, to follow Him. Jesus is going to return one day just as He promised. And not only can we trust that Jesus is going to return, but but as I've already said, Jesus is going to return as a, as a king in glory. When Jesus returns, he's not going to be a, a, a humble carpenter. He's not going to be a lowly citizen. He's not going to be somebody who is jeered at, who is mocked, who is made fun of. He's not going to be someone who is persecuted. He's not going to be someone who is ruled over. Jesus is going to return as a powerful king who sits on a throne who commands an army of angels. And when he returns, he is going to be in his rightful place as the ruler of heaven and earth. When Jesus returns, Jesus is going to be a king in glory. And that's the first picture that Jesus paints for us here in these final verses of Matthew chapter 25. But Jesus paints another picture for us as well in these verses. And then the second picture that Jesus paints for us, it reveals what is going to happen when Jesus returns. And we learn that, that when Jesus returns, he will separate as a shepherd. And so look at verses 32 and 33 with me. Before him will be gathered all the nations, and he will separate people from one another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will place the sheep on his right, but the goats on the left. And so Jesus is the shepherd, and, and as a shepherd, he is gonna, he's going to separate the sheep from the goats. And I didn't really know this until I did some research recently, but apparently goats cannot handle the cold like sheep do. And so at the end of the day, as they're, as they're grazing, uh, the goats have to be separated from the sheep. They can, they can be together, they can graze together, but the goats have to be separated from the sheep, and the goats have to be brought into a place where they can be for the night that is covered, that will keep them warm. Certainly the sheep have to be protected from wolves and things like that, and oftentimes they're brought into a pen as well. But, but the goats are particularly susceptible to the cold, and so they have to be brought in, they have to be separated in that way. And so Jesus uses this common pastoral practice that a lot of people would be familiar with in this time. If you remember the parables of Jesus, they're not, they're kind of unfamiliar stories to us, but they're very familiar to the people in which he is speaking. And they would be able to pull a lot of the application out of that, particularly if they have been given the eyes to see that. And so here we see this, this pastoral practice. Jesus uses this and he says, the sheep are going to be separated from the goats. And if you notice here, the sheep, they are separated to the right side. And that represents the side of favor. And so the sheep are those who are actually following Jesus. And you know that Jesus uses this metaphor over and over throughout the Gospels. You know, the sheep hear my voice and, and, and they know me. They come to me. And so here the sheep, they're separated out and they're separated out to the right side. And then you have the goats and they represent those who do not follow Jesus. And they are separated out to the left side, the side of disfavor. And Jesus, when he returns, he's going to act as a, as a shepherd, he tells us. 
He's going to separate the sheep from the goats. And Jesus' actions of separating the sheep from the goats reveals to us that there are only two groups when Jesus returns. There's not, there's not a third group. You're either a follower of Jesus or you're not. Like there, there's no group that's kind of straddling the fence. Like someday you're following Jesus and, and other days you're not following Jesus. There's not a third group. There's not a third category of those who are, who are seekers, those who are trying Christianity out. I mean, certainly we need to be open to those who are, who are seeking to understand the Christian faith. We need to be open to those who are, who are wanting to understand more about Christ. And as a church, we need to make sure that we are engaging them. We need to make sure that we are answering their questions. We need to make sure that we are bringing them along. We are evangelizing them and hope that they will come to faith in Christ. But just because you are seeking, just because you're trying Christianity out, just because you are asking some of the right questions, that doesn't mean that you are a Christian. That doesn't mean that when Jesus returns, he's going to say, well, you know, you, you were kind of like, you were kind of coming to me. You were, you were kind of asking some questions about me. And, and I know you were going to that church every now and again. And so come on in. No, it's, it's are you a follower of Jesus or not? Are you in or are you out? There, there are only two groups that exist when Jesus returns, the sheep or the goats. And so the question then is, how do you know if you're a sheep or if you're a goat? How do you know if you're a follower of Jesus or if you're not a follower of Jesus? What Jesus tells us in this next section, in the next section we see that when Jesus returns, he will judge as a king. And so we have to look at the king and we have to say, well, well how do we know? And he says, let me tell you, because I'm not only the king, but I'm the judge and I have some criteria by which I am using. So the king judges the sheep and the goats, and the judgment of the sheep is, is favorable, while the judgment of the goats, we see, is, is not very favorable at all. Look at verse 34. Verse 34 is the judgment of the sheep. And so look at what he says here. Then the king will say to those on his right, the side of favor, come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. And then look at down at, at verse 41. This is the judgment of the goats. And he says, Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you cursed, into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. And so the sheep, the group on his right hand, those are the ones who are blessed. Those are the ones who, who inherit eternal life. While those on Jesus' left, those are the goats. Those are, those are the ones who are not following Jesus. Those are the ones who are cursed and they inherit eternal fire. And that word inherit is an, is an important word. I don't know how many of you, but I'm just going to assume that, that some of you have, have probably received some form of inheritance in the past. I know that, that I have. And if you think about it, the, the inheritance you receive, it wasn't given to you because you, you worked for that inheritance. That inheritance was given to you as a gift. But it wasn't just some random gift, right? Like you weren't just walking down the street one day and somebody came up to you and said, hey, um, this person here that they passed away and so they, they've decided to give you their inheritance. It doesn't, it doesn't work that way. 
Some random person doesn't just come up and give you all of what, what they had or, or some lawyer doesn't come to you and say, hey, this random person that lived you know, somewhere else in this world is giving you this inheritance. No, you're connected to that person in some form, fashion, or another, right? You are a, you're a son, you're a daughter, you're a grandchild, or, or you're a business partner. Some way, for some reason, you are connected to this person and because of that, you are the person who receives that inheritance. And likewise, we inherit eternal life. We inherit our place in the kingdom as a gift. And we don't receive it because of anything that, that we have done. Instead, we receive it as a gift simply because God wants us to have that gift. And God has wanted us to have that gift before the foundations of the world, he tells us here. Before anything was created, God purposed that, that we would be a part of the kingdom, that we would be those who inherit the kingdom as followers of Jesus. And so what Jesus tells us here is that we inherit a specific place made for a specific people through a specific plan. And that should be an encouragement to us. That should be an encouragement to us because it reveals that, that God is in control of all things, right? He knew that Adam and Eve was going to rebel in the garden. He knew that the world was going to be plunged into sin. He knew that a Savior would need to be sent. He knew that you and I would come to Christ. He knew all of this before the world was ever even created and God purposed before then to give us a gift so that we might inherit eternal life. And how great is that? How great is it knowing that, that God is in control of everything, knowing that God has a plan, that you are actually a part of that plan, a plan that involves you inheriting the kingdom one day. How great is that? But it gets even better because the kingdom that we inherit is not just any old kingdom. It is a perfect kingdom. It is a kingdom that is free from, from death and, and disease and sin and persecution and, and hindered relationships and, and family squabbles and whatever else that you can think of that is absolutely imperfect, that sin affects, will not happen in the kingdom. It will be a perfect kingdom ruled by a perfect king who is a perfect judge. But here's an important truth for us to keep in mind. Jesus tells us it is the sheep that will inherit the kingdom one day, but the goats will not inherit that kingdom. And that's a major turn of events, which brings up the important question, well, how do we know if we're a sheep? How do we know if we're a goat? Well, I think we have to look at our current actions. Our current actions will tell us. Now, let me just be explicitly clear here. You know, while we're going to focus on some actions of the sheep, it is not these actions that earn you salvation. We don't earn our own salvation. Our salvation, again, is a gift that has been given to us, but it is these actions that result from a changed heart. And so if your heart has been changed by the gospel, then you will do these things that we're about to talk about. If your heart has not been changed by the gospel, then you will not do these things that we are about to talk about. You see, these are the evidence of a heart that has been changed by the gospel. And so what, what is that? What is the evidence? Well, we see this in verses 35 through 46. And so let's just, well, let me just read through this for you. Verse 35, he says, For I was hungry... And you gave me food. 
I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. And then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did it to the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me also. And then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you cursed into eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. And the same criteria. For I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger and you did not welcome me. Naked and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison and you did not visit me. Then they will also answer saying, Lord, when, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you? And then he will answer them saying, Truly I say to you, as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. And so Jesus gives us six actions that the sheep do that the goat do not do. The goats do not do. Jesus starts by telling us that the sheep provide food to the hungry and and drink to the thirsty. In other words, they take care of those who are in need. And from there, Jesus moves to say that they were, they were housing a stranger. And so back in Jesus' day, you know, hotels, they didn't really exist in the same form that, that they exist today. I mean, sometimes there were some inns. You know this from Jesus' birth story, that there was no room in the inn. Um, so sometimes there were some places for people to stay. But oftentimes what would happen is if you were traveling and you came into a city, you had to stay in the city square if you didn't know anybody there. And so... In the city square, it was not, uh, you know, the, the safest place to stay. You could, you know, a robber could come, um, somebody could beat you up, somebody could kill you. I mean, all kind of things could happen depending on what type of city you were in, even if you were in the middle of the city, in the city square, not even outside of the gates. But here we, we had people who would house strangers, who would, who would show hospitality to people as they were coming through town so that they would not have to face the dangers of the night. And so Jesus says, hey, those who are traveling through, are, are, you, are you a person who is housing strangers? Are you a person, in other words, who is hospitable? Next, Jesus tells us that the sheep clothe the naked. They provide for those who cannot provide for themselves. And continuing on, we learn that, that the sheep, they, they also take care of the sick and those who are in prison. You see, the sheep who are true followers of Jesus, they, they do all of these things. And all of these things, they, they really combine to teach us that, that the sheep care The sheep are merciful. The sheep are loving. And as you look at your life, do those actions, do those characteristics characterize who you are? Are you a person who who cares? Are you a person who is merciful? Are you a person who is is loving? If you want to be numbered among the sheep, if you want to, to call yourself a disciple of Jesus, you must be a person who cares. You must be a person who is merciful. You must be a person who loves other people no matter who they are. Again, not not to earn our salvation, but because of our salvation. And if we think about it, we are all really poor, destitute sinners who are completely 
helpless. Now, we often don't think of ourselves like that at all, do we, right? We think of ourselves as people who are, who are absolutely capable of, of providing for our own selves and maybe even providing for the needs of other people. But, but when it gets right down to the core of, it, core of it, when it gets down to the core of our heart and who we really are, we are poor, destitute sinners who are completely helpless. We can do nothing to change our own relationship with the Lord. There is no amount of works that we can do. There is no amount of anything that we can do to change our relationship with the judge and the king over this world. Except for that Jesus changes it for us. Jesus is a God of, of love. Jesus is a God of, of mercy. Jesus is a God who cares. And because he is a God of love, mercy, and care, he comes to this earth as a savior to die for us on our behalf. And those who are Jesus's disciples, they recognize that God acted in this way towards them. They recognize that God cares for them, that, that God is merciful, that God loves them. And then God's care, God's love, God's mercy, it, it pours out of them. It overflows out of them to those around them. And they can really, they can really see that. That's what it means for us to be Jesus's disciples. That's what it means for us to be changed by Jesus. And we can know that, that we are sheep through our actions, actions that show that our heart has been changed because, you know, naturally, naturally, we're not, we're not loving people who are self-sacrificial to others, right? We are, we are absolutely selfish people and we want what we want and that's it. We are not people who care about other people. We are people who care about ourselves and what, what makes us comfortable and what, what, what we are able to get. We're not merciful people. We, we actually want to see people suffer, especially those people who have hurt us. But when we see a change like that in our lives, when we see a change from our natural state to this other state, the, the state that means that we are actually following Christ, that, that something supernatural has had to happen and occur in our lives, then we can say that we are a believer in Christ. We can rest assured that we would be numbered among the sheep rather than the goats. And so when you look at your life, when you examine your life, what do you see? Do you see a life that is characterized by being a sheep? Or do you see a life that's characterized by being a goat? You see, our actions, they, they speak much louder than our words, right? We can, we can claim to be a Christian all day long. But if our actions don't back up that claim, then our claim really holds no weight at all. And so what do your actions tell you about yourself? It's a question that we all need to think about. It's a question that we all need to ask ourselves, particularly today as we gather together as, as a church to hear God's Word proclaimed. Let me just give you two more things that I want to say before today finishes. First, as you consider that question, what do your actions tell you about yourself? I want you to understand that, that there are no second chances. See, several years ago, Rob Bell came out with this book entitled Love Wins. I certainly would not commend the book to you, as you'll see in a moment. But, but in this book, what he claims is that in the end, God's love is going to win because those who have found themselves in hell, those who are not following Christ, and as they die, they, they found themselves in hell. When Christ returns, He would go to them and give them a second chance 
to come back to him. And having been in hell, certainly they would take that second chance. They, they, would, they, would, they would recognize that Jesus is the Savior of the world. They would recognize that, that God really is the one that we should serve and we should worship. And, and so they would turn to him and they would accept him as their Lord and as their Savior. Now, Bell's book has many, many troubles to it. Let me just say that there are no second chances. This is the life in which you make that decision, whether you are going to follow Christ or whether you're not going to follow Christ. There are no second chances. When Jesus returns, he's not going to be begging and pleading for you to, to come to him. He's not even really doing that at this point. But, but he's not going to beg and plead and say, oh, you're in hell now. Come to me. See how bad it is. No, no. People are not in hell because they don't want to be in hell. People are in hell because they don't want to be subject to Christ as their king. And so even if there was a second chance for them, they would not turn to Christ at all. But here's the thing. All of us in this room, as far as I know, are still alive right? We, we are still here. Our heart is still beating. We are still breathing. Now is an opportunity for us to turn to Christ if we haven't already. Now is an opportunity for us to recognize that Jesus is the King, that Jesus is the Savior of the world, that Jesus will return one day as a judge and he will sit in judgment on all of those who haven't turned and followed him. Today is that day for us to do that. See, there are no second chances. But today you have that opportunity. And the second thing I want you to notice is that many people will be surprised on Judgment Day. You see, when Jesus comes back, many will be surprised because they will be numbered among the goats. You see that here in this parable in the second group, right? The second group, they, they are surprised. They're surprised when, when Jesus cast them out. And I believe there will be many today who claim to be Christians who will be surprised as well. And I believe that because we have this idea that, that salvation is just simply me saying a prayer one day, me walking down an aisle one day, me making this decision for Christ one day. But that's not what it means to be a Christian, right? Certainly those are the first steps or can be the first steps in a, in a Christian's life. But, but that's not the end of the story, right? That is just the very beginning of the story. But what it means for us to be a Christian is that we are continually following Christ. We're not just taking one step towards Christ. We are taking many, 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 many steps for the entire rest of our life towards Christ. We are seeking to, to learn Christ. And what that means is that, that we are seeking to learn Christ so that we are living like Him and we are thinking like Him. And we're constantly refining that. As we learn more about who Jesus is, as we learn more about ourselves throughout the entire counsel of God's Word, we are constantly changing the way that we think, which should constantly change the way that we live. All of those who are Christians do that. They are consistently learning to live and to think like Jesus. You see, it's not just about some past action. It's not just about a past event that happened in your life and you're constantly referring back to this past event and, and that's really it. And now you've just kind of gone off to live how you want and to do things the way that you want. That's not what it means to follow someone. 
If you follow somebody, you, you follow in their footsteps. You, you do as they do. You think as they think. That's what it means to be a disciple. It means to learn what the master wants you to learn. You can think about any sort of, of trade craft that you might learn, right? You, you go first and you are an apprentice. An apprentice doesn't just sign up to be an apprentice to say to be, to be a plumber and say, okay, cool, I've, I've signed up. And then all of a sudden you're going to go and open up your own, your own business and, and just kind of do things your own way. No, no. You, you go along and, and, you, and you watch how other people do that. And you learn from them. And you, and you do things just as they did that. And that's the same with us. We don't just say, hey, I'm a Christian. And then I go off and do things my own way. No, it, it is constantly following Christ. And those who are not doing that, they're going to find that they're going to be surprised when Christ returns. When did I not do these things, Jesus? When did I not follow you, Jesus? I proclaim to be your disciple, but, but yeah, I know I never, I never read your word. I never served anyone. I never loved anyone. I never was merciful. I never cared for anybody at all. But, but I proclaim to be your disciple, Jesus. And Jesus will say, well, I never, I never knew you. You're not my disciple. And see, many people are going to be surprised on Judgment Day. And right now you have to ask yourself, well, are you a follower of Christ? Are you allowing Jesus to lead you as the Lord of your life or are you just leading your life how you want and you've just kind of somewhat attached yourself to the church or attached yourself to Jesus because you think that's the right thing to do or that's what your parents or your grandparents told you that you needed to do one day? Where are you at right now? Are you someone who has absolutely turned their life over to Christ? Are you somebody who is following Christ, who, who sees Jesus has opened up an entire new way of life for you to live? Or are you just somebody who said a prayer one day and now you're kind of living how you want to live and, and you think you've got your fire insurance and you're good to go? Where are you at this morning? See, there's not going to be any second chances. And there's going to be people who are surprised when Jesus returns. Today, let's, let's not let anybody here or anybody watching online be one of those people who are surprised when Jesus returns. Today, one of the ways that you can respond to this message is by considering your life. By, by looking at your life and saying, I'm not really a follower of Christ. Do I really love other people? Do I really care for them? Am I really merciful? Is it just all about me? Am I really following Jesus? Am I seeking to learn Jesus? Am I seeking to, to learn how to think and live like Jesus? Do I see a change in my life from the time that I profess faith in Christ to today? Do I see a consistent change, a consistent desire for Jesus? If that's not you, then you need to consider whether you're a believer or not. And if you find that you're not, well, today is an opportunity for you to profess faith in Christ as your Lord and as your Savior. See, in a minute, I'm going I'm to pray. The worship team is going to come, and, and we're going to worship Christ. We're going to sing to our Savior, and this is an opportunity for you to, to publicly profess your faith in Christ. I'll be down here at the front if you'd like to do that. Or if you still have some questions, we'll be happy to gather together with you after service today or sometime this week. And today, if, if, you, if you consider those questions and you find, yes, I, I really am a believer 
in Christ. Today is a day for you to celebrate. Today is a day for you to celebrate the inheritance that the Lord has provided for you, the salvation that he has provided for you from the very foundations of the world. He has provided you with this inheritance, and you have that today. Let today be a day of celebration if you find yourself to be among the sheep. But if you find yourself to be among the goats, know that there are no second chances. Today is the day of salvation. Won't you turn to the Lord today? Let's go to the Lord in prayer. God, we thank you for this opportunity that we've had this morning to gather as your church, to to hear from your word, to to, to learn more about what this judgment is going to look like. God, we're thankful that you don't leave us in mystery, that we can actually know what to expect, how to prepare, Lord. God, we ask today that, that those who are here, those that are watching online, maybe those who are listening to this in the future would be prepared for your judgment. That they would truly consider whether they are a sheep or whether they really are a goat. That you would do a work in their hearts so that they would see their need for you. And they would respond, recognizing that you are the Savior of the world. And for us today who can say that we are, that we are sheep, that we are your followers, Lord, help us to continue to learn you to learn to think and to live like you. Help us, God, to continue to walk that out as we, as we learn to love and to care and to show mercy to those around us. Lord. God, we praise you for the salvation that you have wrought in our lives, how you have changed our hearts so that we desire you and we desire to follow you. Lord, we praise you for that today. And this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.